We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. Welcome to today's podcast. And today we have joining us all the way from LA, Sinead Ray from Swear by Skin. Sinead, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about Swear by Skin? Yes. Hi, everyone. Um, so yeah, my name's Sinead Ray. I can, I'm from London, as you can probably tell from my accent, not from LA. <laughs> um, and I, the story of Swear by Skin kind of started many, many years ago. I've always been into skincare, always being into beauty. I come from a family full of women that were always kind of, that was just what we did. Um, and as I got older, being a dark skinned black woman, I really struggled in the UK finding treatments, effective skincare treatments that worked for black skin. Um, and I suffered with hyperpigmentation for a long time. And then in my teens, someone had told me, my late teens, someone had told me that you should try laser and that would really help with your pigmentation. And I went to see a dermatologist and they told me that they couldn't do laser on dark skin. And, you know, and, and I kind of went to different people to try and get help and they just, nothing, nothing really worked for me. And a lot of it was to do with the fact that my skin was just too dark. Um, and then I, I've been working in the TV industry for like the past 10 years. I was lucky enough to, my role got transferred to LA um, about six years ago now. And yeah. LA is kind of like, you know, it's like the mecca, if you will, for the most outlandish, um, craziest, newest, most innovative, innovative skincare treatments and beauty treatments out there. So when I came here, it was kind of like a kid in the candy store, if you will. Um, <laughs> and I just tried out everything and I discovered LED light therapy, which really helped me and it was just amazing for me. But it was, you know, it was pricey. It's expensive to go and get treatments. Um, and then I had, I had my son. I was pregnant with my son. I wasn't going as often. And when I had my baby, I just, it just was a real schlep to kind of make it to the salon and treatment. So I decided I wanted to create something that you could use at home that wasn't going to cost a fortune and can kind of fit into your everyday life. And that's where I came up with the idea to create an LED face mask that you could use at home that wasn't going to cost $500. Um, so that, that's how it kind of came about. And, it was, and I've been kind of thinking about the idea for a good few years and kind of developing the brand for a good few years while being here with the idea to launch in 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020. <laughs> so that yeah. kind of, you know, halted the brakes on that for a year, um, kind of delayed everything. There was a lot of setbacks and all sorts of issues that then meant that we ended up launching in the summer of this year, which also still had its challenges because we're still in. <laughs> Pandemic. Yeah, I mean, and I was just saying because you 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 are in LA. I was just saying in the UK, it sort of feels like we're heading back into it. Yeah, again. yeah. <laughs> and the plan, and to be honest, when I had my when I had my um, son, you know, my husband and I had moved here from my job. Um, we'd done doing really well with it and loving LA, and then just you know, life and family and all of those things was pulling me back to the UK. And I wanted to the, the whole idea of the brand was to create something that had all these what well, I found out here that I could bring back home because there, there wasn't something on the market 
in the UK. Um, so that's why I set up the business in the UK with the intention to move back, which is what we're doing. But it's just been, my move has also been delayed because we're in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's it's an um, amazing story that actually, I guess, you know, the the opportunity you saw kind of came because of proximity to products in, mm-hmm. in somewhere like LA. But yeah. I mean, I, I presume, you know, you didn't sort of see something and go, well, that's the answer. You had to kind of really think about what, what it was that you were doing and, um, yeah. you know, f- find a sort of solution. I mean, w- what was the sort of process that you went through? I, I guess because, you know, you'd identified a problem. I'm just kind of really interested in that journey from problem to uh, actually this is the product that we're going to kind of use. Yeah, I am. Um, so when I was going to, so I got very close to my dermatologist that I was seeing who was doing the light therapy treatments on me. Um, she was also a black woman. Um, so she kind of understood my skin issues um, and we kind of connected on that. And, you know, I'm not a dermatologist. I'm not an esthetician. So she really gave me kind of an insight into the science of it all. Um, um, when I was thinking more about, oh, I want to kind of create something that I could, that could be available in the UK, so to speak, for people that like me, for all skin types, but that was a bit more affordable and then just through doing a lot of research, I did a lot of, uh, you know, asking friends, asking friends of friends, what they, I did is I had a survey um, that I put together to kind of, before I even came up with the exact what I wanted to do, I, I did the survey um, that I just sent to friends and got them to forward it on to other friends and kind of to widen that network to get feedback on what people's skin issues and concerns were and what they found annoying and what they didn't and what was available and that kind of thing. And then using that information, I then got more of a clear idea on what I wanted to create. And then I, um, there was an at-home LED mask. You know, this is not, I'm not creating something, it's not a new invention. There are products, there are masks out there on the market, but they were just all very pricey. Yeah. And I, I, doing my research, very costly. <laughs> I wouldn't do this if I was doing it, the business, if I was starting again, I wouldn't do it this way again. But to, in order to try and find out you know what works and what doesn't and do as much research as I can I bought every single LED <laughs> from every competitor oh, right. and tried them all and they range in price <laughs> so it was a it was very expensive <laughs> some can go up to a thousand dollars so it, wow. it was yeah it was a lot I spent a lot of money testing um which in hindsight you know I, I feel like I could have cherry picked a little more rather than getting every single one on the market but it did just kind of give me an idea well you know this one's too heavy um this one the power of some some of them work really quickly wear it for a couple of weeks you see a difference some of them it can take a bit longer but then you know it's less powerful but it's less expensive and kind of seeing where I could fit into that equation and then kind of marrying that up with the server results that I'd got and then, then again, that's kind of how my journey of developing the brand. And it went from there where I decided, okay, I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be the product. Now, how do I go and create it? I mean, that's just so interesting that actually, you know, I guess a lot of people when they start businesses don't think about kind of, you know, doing the, the, the kind of competitor analysis that you did do. And, and also, you know, the actual sort of, customer insight that you did in terms of oh, oh. sorry 
Yes, all right. That's an amber alert. So in <laughs> they, they don't do this in the UK. In um, LA, they send out, I don't know how they have everyone's phone, but they'll send out an amber alert where you all get a siren on your phone if there's a missing child or or elderly Ooh, person. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> there you go. It'll just say, it'll just say amber alert, the car, the registration, the time and the last street it was seen. Anyway. That is that is fascinating. Well, that's, we should definitely keep that in the podcast because that's interesting. I didn't, that never cropped yeah. up in Billing Sunset. There was no Amber Alerts. Amber Alerts. <laughs> it's actually quite scary how often, especially recently, how often they come out. Um, yeah. Well, I know, I know here they have tried doing sort of population-wide texting and things like that. But yeah. I I don't know how successful. They do. I don't know how they get your number to do it, but because everyone will get it. Like you'll be, you'll be in a, you'll be in a um, like a supermarket or something, and then everyone's phone will go off. <laughs> like, oh, Amber alert! <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. But look, going back to the the the, you know, I guess the the sort of going out and doing the survey, marrying that with the competitor insight, I, I think then, you know, it sounds like put you in a really good position. And, it, you you know, I think price point seems to be something that was kind of really critical in terms of, you know, getting this product right as well. And yeah. I think that's a sort of really important part of getting your proposition right is making sure that the price is right. And I guess... Mm-hmm. You know, there is technology behind what you're doing, isn't there? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it, it's kind of interesting. So how, how did you kind of then decide on that price point? You, you know, I think price comes as two kind of ways you can do price. And I think I kind of did a, a two prong approach. But with price, you need to figure out who your market is. Um, because there's no point going out and wanting to create something. If you if you're doing all that research, if you're doing a survey, and you're trying and you're finding that niche market, and they're 17 years old uh, with only a weekend job and in college, but then you're thinking about a product that's going to cost 700 pounds, that's not really going to match. <laughs> right. So you kind of need to figure out who your customer is what disposable income they have, where, where they are in their life, what kind of lifestyle they, they have, and then kind of figure out how you can create something that fits that the product market fit kind of model. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something that was more affordable because that was a, there was a gap um, yeah. that I felt like I could sl- slide in there. And in terms of like how, like where on that scale, um, came down to when I figured out how much it was going to cost me to produce it like materials, how much it's going to cost me to acquire that customer. Um, and because you don't want to just come up with a price that, oh, that sounds good. And then it doesn't cover your, there's no profit and it doesn't cover your bottom line. So it's a two-pronged approach in that sense, like coming up with something, a, a product that was going to fit my customer, a price that was going to fit my customer, but also was going to be profitable um, for the business. And that's kind of how I gauged it. It really, really interesting. I mean, and, you know, again, going through that process, I think, is an essential part of making sure that you do kind of get a profitable business at the end of the day or give yourself the best shot at getting Yeah. And with price, you need to also figure out long term, like, what your goals are. And I, and I mean that as in if you want to, you know, if your goal is to get a retail partner and go wholesale, then you need to kind of figure out, no matter what it is, if it's if it's a mask, if it's a CPG brand, if it's like, you know, if you're selling like biscuits, whatever it is, 
um, you need to figure out what, what your objective is. Because if you want to go into a retail store, you're, you're then going to have to be selling wholesale. And what does that mean to your bottom line? Um, if you're selling kind of makeup, you're going to, there's a certain amount you need to give us samples. Um, what, what does that mean to your bottom yeah. line? So, so figuring out long term what those goals are. If you're only just going to be in e-commerce, direct to consumer, then fair enough. You don't need to worry about, how, you know. So that also is, is, is really important when thinking about price. And also, like you're saying about competitors, you know, a lot of, it's, I think it's easier to start high and um, uh, bring the price down than it is to start low and you can't just then raise the price. And then think about, you know, discount periods and, <clears throat> you know, if someone wants introductory offers and yeah, all yeah. those things that matter that uh, affiliate marketing like paying people commission, like all that kind of thing, that all matters to your bottom line as well. So coming up with a price that's still going to give you profit once all those deductions have happened is also important. No, it's 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 fascinating. And then, I mean, in terms of the product itself, I mean, it, so you you've actually this is a product that you've kind of built uh, or got somebody to build for you rather yeah. than white labeling something else then. yeah that's quite a big challenge in its own right isn't it so how did you go about finding a manufacturer um, yeah exactly yeah. and uh, that that i will say was the biggest hurdle if i'm honest um just because a lot of manufacturers especially if you're a new brand their moqs so their minimums are like really high yes. and you know i'm self-funded bootstrapped there's uh, there's no huge investment behind me so it's, it's and, and also it's a huge risk in when you want to and I always advise people as well and I kind of didn't really take my own advice but um I think it's wise to test if you're, if you're a complete new brand complete new product it's wise to test it first so maybe just order a few quantities and send it out see how it's doing and if and then if you can make iterations to that, someone's like, "Oh, it's too small." Or, oh, this is, this is like I don't like this. Or and before you, you know, it doesn't always have to be perfect. But when you're, if you have like a manufacturer that their minimums are five thousand units, it's hard to test five thousand units then iterate. Do you know what I mean? So, so finding the manufacturer was was difficult. Like I had to do a hell of a lot of research. Google is great. <laughs> Um, in that sense, um, speaking to a lot of people, speaking to my dermatologist that I worked with, she had a lot of recommendations on um, manufacturers and then building relationships with them by telling them what you want, doing lots of testing, to try, you know, minimums. A lot of you can negotiate minimums, but as a new brand, they're very kind of hesitant to. But what I've been lucky enough is to have a relationship with a good manufacturer that once I've made the first order and a couple more, then they're able to lower their minimums or negotiate a little bit more on that. Um, and I will say as well, one thing I did learn, which I have now, but just try and have more than one manufacturer. Right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't bet on just one horse. Then. No, no. And I, I made that mistake in the very beginning. I bet on one horse covid there was all sorts of restrictions it was like london was going back into another lockdown it was all sorts of things happening and i just i, I needed more product my manufacturer was having issues and i just needed a backup and i had to go through the process of researching meet like build a relationship all that stuff to then have that plan b whereas if i had two manufacturers from the from the very beginning that would have saved me a lot of time so yeah have a have a backup 
that's, I, again, that's fascinating. And the manufacturers are they are they UK based or are they you you know they Asia Asia my, okay. yeah and Korea is my manufacturer yeah okay. and I did look at so we I did look at UK based manufacturers as well. There's again it can sometimes it's to do with pricing technology. LED is huge. Like K Beauty is a huge market. Right. Um, you know, they're like the kind of the trendsetters, if you will, on a lot of beauty products. Um, so that's that was kind of my first call. Um, but I wanted to go there, which couldn't really happen. <laughs> so I did a lot of Zoom, a lot of Zoom video virtual tours and that kind of thing. Um but yeah, they were great. They 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 manufacture. They had like huge experience in. They're kind of the pioneers, if you will, of LED light therapy. Um, and they they're a manufacturer for a few a lot bigger brands here. So I had that kind of in. But they were just. I was like, we're working with them. It was trying to figure out a way to create something that wasn't going to be as pricey as their other client that they have. And how can we make this work? And we did that through. So one of the other big brands that they are the manufacturers for, their masks, you see a difference in 10 days. It's like the irradiance is a lot higher, whereas I was able to bring the irradiance down but still get results, but it'll just take you a little bit longer. So, you know, two to three weeks when you start to see results. Um, And it's kind of, I always compare it to, I guess, like medical grade skincare. Like there's some skincare products which are, you know, medical grade, very high, um, in potency, etc., and then some that are lesser than, but you just have to use it a little bit more to see the results. And the market again, it comes back to who your customer is. Like I'm not my my I'm not targeting people that are. I'm talking to people Gen Z generation, basically. Right. Yeah. So they can afford the time to take longer to get rid of, say, fine lines and signs of aging because they're not there yet. So it's more of a preventative kind of tool, if that makes sense. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, so again, when you're choosing, everything comes down to who your customer is, I always think, at the end of the day. Um, and kind of you, that's your starting point and you build everything from there. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, again, I, I, looking at the product itself, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it, it sort of looks quite space age. And um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to look like a COVID shield either, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, double up for that as well. But, but it, you, you know, it does actually look quite, you know, quite, quite space agey as well. Yeah. Was that, was that sort of deliberate? Did you want it to sort well, of... Well, I wanted it? to, because, you know, the masks, I, wa- I wanted to create something you didn't look like you came out of a Star Wars film. Because <laughs> a lot of the LED masks on the market right now, they're completely, they're literally, all you see is the eyes. It's not like you've got to sit <laughs> plugged in. I wanted it to be wireless so you could, like, do stuff while you're wearing it. I don't want people to have to sit um, plugged in. I wanted it to be perspex so you could see while you're doing stuff. <laughs> and I wanted it to look, look, you know, chic on, like, shelfies. If, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a big, you know, I wanted it to look chic on a vanity table of my Gen Z customer. Um, so that was kind of, yeah, why... I mean, so that's a sort of industrial design kind of problem. So did you get a designer designing this? Yeah, so I had like I had a designer develop the prototype and then I kind of had a wish list of, of what I wanted it right. to be and then marry the two and then, yeah. Well, I mean, and again, it's certainly very distinctive, which I think is sort of a real positive for, yeah. you, you know, because I, 
I guess the next question I have is you talked about, you know, um, price and sort of some of the models, but are, so are you selling this direct to people or is this going via dermatologists and things like that? No, or? directly from my site, directly from Cell by Skin, direct to consumer. Yeah. Um, not uh, via dermatologists, no. So, and, and there, I guess, you know, you're sort of fairly early into the journey, thanks mm-hmm. to COVID, but, um, uh, but you know, I'm I'm keen to then understand like how how are you going about marketing this and you you know what are some of the the the, the ways you're kind of looking to raise the profile of of the product? Yeah, so we I had a real kind of um, launch plan, um, and the main kind of to my my main aim of the launch plan was to just was brand awareness. And one thing that really worked for us is that I sent the mask out to a bunch of influencers. Skin right. influencers, um, bloggers. Influencers, did you say? Influencers, oh yeah. Goodness, there we go. <laughs> bloggers, um, like a whole load, just you know, to get feedback, um, you know, to kind of build. They all they all have quite niche communities and kind of like introduce ourselves, if you will, to the skincare community. Um, and that was a that was a, a real good way to kind of push the brand initially. And then PR. PR's been really great. Um, kind of started a PR campaign shortly after launch and was, you know, lucky to be featured in a bunch of magazines and publications and again sent out the master to a ton of journalists, still doing that now. Um, and then affiliate marketing was the other uh way that we've been able to raise brand awareness and generate revenue which is great which is because a lot of the publications that feature a good way to kind of link back right um but yeah but finding yeah. out where your customers hang out and then pushing the product there and my customers hang out on instagram so pushing the product on instagram yeah no it's, it's great and then i mean i'm because you've got a lovely little website which i think is mm. it, it kind of speaks for itself but i think you know one of the things which is nice to to see so many positive yeah. reviews that's as well. been really so, lovely that's like you know I guess that's, that's a, you know reviews are a real hard thing to get if that makes sense like you you know we have our email marketing is a, another um thing that we, i've been pushing more so recently than i did in the beginning it was kind of like building that email list and then like pushing that but when a customer buys the mask they'll then get an email a few weeks later asking for a review um and you know not people how many times do you see that email come up in your inbox and you're like oh i'll review later oh it's like (laughs) so so when we do get one it's like amazing and that's been that's been really great that's been like uh because it's just kind of validates it in a way and validates you and validates you know your kind of belief in in your product so that's been that's been lovely and also it it gives kind of social proof and validates your product to other customers because they'll see oh look you know, this has been, this was reviewed in, we, we were like best LED face mask in Wired, which was amazing. Um, and that, oh my goodness. yeah, That's something like that, thing, like someone's it? like, oh wow, like I, I listen to Wired, like I believe them. So I'm going to go and check this brand out. So, you know, it's just, it's that kind of validation is great and which we should kind of push for. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 again, I love your point around PR though, because I, I guess a lot of businesses starting out, you know, will go for the the online, doing things online rather than, you know, thinking about how do you build a story in more traditional ways. And PR, I guess PR yeah. is a more traditional way where you know, you're, you're targeting people 
who might be interested in mm. writing about the product. And I guess for a, a product like yours, actually a bit more kind of long form, a bit more explanation mm-hmm. is kind of a yeah, really good thing, have isn't to, it? It's not something, LED light therapy is not, you know, not, not a lot of people know about it. So a lot of our kind of um, no. our marketing is about educating people. Um, so people that have, you know, these skin concerns, this is something that could help you. You, you don't know about it. But I'm going to tell you about it. And, you know, that is, that's been great as well. But, yeah, I, I do think PR helps with that because it's not only gets your brand out, but also, like, what is this? <laughs> what is this, like, techie <laughs> space-age thing? <laughs> I, I, and just in terms of, you, you know, who might be interested, is that, that I guess this is good for everybody's yes. skin? So that was, like, what that was my kind of main thing that mattered to me because I essentially am the customer it was kind of I created something that I would that I would use and LED light therapy has never really been it's it's can be really costly so I wanted to create something that was inexpensive so it was accessible for everyone and for every skin type so um darker skin tones tend to suffer a lot more with hyperpigmentation than lighter skin tones and that's why I wanted to include the yellow LED light which is very good for targeting pigmentation so it's got the blue light the red light and the and the yellow which um each light has its own kind of benefit but the yellow really is is kind of a happy light I call it for darker skin folks like myself okay no it's really really interesting well look it's a it's a fascinating story and I think you know what I love is the rigor that you've kind of gone through in terms of building the case yeah. for the proposition uh, and the well you know just following getting the positioning right yeah. getting the right product thinking about price and then you know really mm-hmm. really thinking about promotion I mean it's a very kind of classical and it took story a good couple of years of... it's not this is not something that you know a few months of it it it's I always felt like um you know it, you you're never gonna be able to tick every box there's always going to be things that you've missed or things that you haven't considered but as much time as possible to really get it. Because you only, especially as a new brand, you only really get one shot um, and you want to make it good. <laughs> oh, well, I, look, I think it's a fabulous, it looks a fabulous product. I think it really, you know, I can imagine it being a, a, a huge success. So, you know, I'm really grateful for you joining us. And Thank um, thanks for showing us also what an amber alert looks like. <laughs> in, uh, in the- Sorry about that. Yeah. No, no, no. Gosh, well, you can't. You can't. But no, it's. I really just found it fascinating. You've been so, so interesting. So thank you so much thank for joining you. us. And uh, we really look forward to seeing how how the business goes. Thank so you. good luck with the good luck with the everything over the next few months. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by the Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and the Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.